Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Um, so anyway, I was just wondering, like, what's going on with you inviting someone who Janelle has been married to, who's a habitual criminal, unsafe for kids, and you're having that around your grandkids, basically. Well, first of all, Farah, God sees all of us the same way. And if somebody has changed their life and if somebody's a good person, then nobody can condemn or judge anybody, just like people. I mean, if I, if I, if I heard, if I said that every day of my, you know what, mom, I'm not even a criminal and I changed my life probably so much more than anyone I've ever seen changes theirs, but how still criminals condemn me every day and act like they're more of your best friend than I've ever seen. I mean, I've been just seeing such fake behavior that I think that's what criminals are good at, faking behavior and then showing up at your wedding. You know what? Anybody who has to call other people criminal are nothing but afraid of facing reality that everybody sins. Mom, did you know that they're warning you and protecting you because they've had some horrific experiences? Well, guess what? I mean, you just ignore, you just, oh, no, you think you can over talk me so you can over talk yourself. No, so mom, why don't you shut up so you can unconfuse your brain? You're not straightening anyone out. You need to straighten your own self out. I have nothing against anybody. I like Janelle. I believe in Janelle. Oh, so why didn't you invite Janelle to your wedding then? I had to open it up with that. I just had to. Hi, guys. How is everyone? (laughs) That fight was, I mean, really, it was something else. (laughs) It was, it was really peak Farah. I still don't know how they're going to let her go. Rumors this week are that MTV is looking at Mackenzie McKee, you know, daughter of Angie, who's very sick with cancer, a fan favorite around here, and also Mackenzie Edwards, Ryan's wife. Now, I would like Mackenzie Edwards to get the extra screen time. I know that's a controversial opinion, but as I've stated many times on here, I watch this show for absolute garbage And Mackenzie Edwards fits that bill. I don't really care if she's a bad person. I know a lot of people on the internet are fast-forwarding her scenes. By the way, you fast-forward through people's scenes. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here if we're not watching every goddamn scene of this fucking show? What scenes are deemed not watchworthy? I mean, they're all not watchworthy. We're watching Teen Mom. This show is awful. The show hasn't been good since season two, but we're on season fucking eight or nine, whatever. I don't, I don't totally understand the Teen Mom OG seasons and, you know, with the A and B seasons. I don't know where we are, but the show has been on the air since like 2009. It's 2018. You know, what are we doing here if we're not watching every fucking scene? I see people say they're fast forwarding Brianna scenes. By the way, is it Brianna or Brianna? I think it's Brianna, but sometimes it comes out as Brianna. And in my head, those are the same name. There are a few names that, like, I just, Ariana and Ariana is another one, I guess similar to Brianna. You just, you don't get a say if that's your name. And we just pronounce it as we pronounce it, and both are correct. (laughs) Anyway, back to my point. So the only reason that I think I'd be anti-Mackenzie Edwards getting the fourth Teen Mom slot if t- if Farah is to be off this show is that 
what will they do with Macy's segments? Macy's segments now are great because we're getting the Mackenzie and Ryan show. And if Mackenzie has her own segments, then are we going to have to go back to watching Macy do things? Because I personally am not interested in that. I don't think anybody watching this show is interested in that. So I'm not really sure if they would just make Macy's segments longer. But I would love to see if they named Mackenzie Edwards the fourth teen mom. One, the fucking meltdown from Reddit, Twitter, Facebook. Ugh, I would, oh, I'd have to take off work. People would be losing their fucking minds over this. So I would like to see that one. And two, I would also like to see Macy flip out. Would she quit the show? Hmm, wouldn't that be great? I mean, no, it wouldn't be great, but I think she would do a, a flip out like she did when Farrah was put back on OG. Mackenzie McKee. Um, I don't know. I, last year when Brianna was added to Teen Mom 2, as you guys remember, I was pretty upset that it was her over Mackenzie. But I'm just not sure if I want her on Teen Mom OG. Someone on Reddit had a really great idea to move Kale to Teen Mom OG and that way each show would have four moms and the Teen Mom 2 girls could start getting longer segments again. And I thought that was a pretty brilliant idea. I think Kale would really fit on OG. Uh, she brings the drama. She has a lot of kids. There's just something that's pretty Teen Mom OG about her. I'm not really sure how to explain it. I would never move Janelle. Obviously, Janelle's never moving off Teen Mom 2. I would not move Chelsea. And I definitely would not blame Leah. I think it's because Kale has uh, an older presence and seems to be the same age as the OG girls, even though they're literally only a year or two older than the Teen Mom 2 girls. I'm not exactly sure how to explain it. But there's just something about Kale that I could see on Teen Mom OG. Anyway... Mackenzie McKee, if this was last year, I would be, like, starting a petition, having everybody sign it, and then send, like, I don't know, diabetes test strips to MTV to symbolize how much I need Mackenzie McKee on this show. But I almost feel like it would be unethical to put her on the show at this point. If her mom dies, Mackenzie may kill herself. Like, she is she is going to go off the fucking deep end. And the idea of MTV filming that makes me extremely uncomfortable. That's when it goes from like, haha, she's like crazy, but it's still funny to like, oh man, she needs help. And I'm really worried that that will be the case if Mackenzie McKee joins the show and her mom dies. And I also think that you cannot join a show if your life is as depressing as your beloved mother is dying of terminal cancer and going to die theoretically like within a year of her being diagnosed with it. I just think that's too heavy to walk onto the show with. So like we are going to get this girl that m many of the audience is not connected with. As I've said multiple times, Team Mom 3 is not canon. I would imagine most Team Mom OG viewers did not watch Team Mom 3, or maybe they watched a couple episodes. They might have watched her fucking 16 and Pregnant episode when it was on air. But I don't think most Teen Mom watchers are really aware of Mackenzie McKee on a level like I am, who watch her 45-minute long Snapchats on the regular, follow her MLM stuff, follow just all of the bullshit that Mackenzie McKee has put into this world. So to bring a new character on that is in the midst of losing her mother seems too much. I just, I'm just not sure, I'm not sure how they can bring that onto a show like Teen Mom. Now, Teen Mom can be extremely heavy. And if we had been following along with Mackenzie McKee, this is a storyline that could be very touching. But I just, I'm not sure. So what I think MTV is they're filming, as I've said, what I think they're doing is they're giving her a bean special to kind of test the audience to see the reaction. But like, what if Angie dies? Then they're going to start filming Mackenzie for a new season. It's like, Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Her mom just died. I just, I just don't see how they do that. I don't see how they do it at all. But I also don't understand how they would 
make Mackenzie Edwards a full-time teen mom. It's like a full-time housewife. Right now she's a friend of, you know, she's an FOH and she wants to be a full-time wife. And I'm just, isn't it funny that we never abbreviate housewife and what I mean, I mean the proper noun of housewife as in the women on Bravo to just wife, really? We always say housewife. Hmm, funny. Anyway, literally nobody cared about that thought except for me, but it's my podcast. Um, I'm in a really weird mood tonight, guys. I am going out of town this weekend, so I'm recording this early on Valentine's Day. And there was a school shooting, as you all know about 45 minutes from my house, which, like, isn't that close, but, you know, it's in South Florida. It's close enough, and it's just sad, and what's the world come to, guys? I mean, I don't want this to be, like, a deeply political podcast, but life is political. You know, Teen Mom is a political show, and anybody that disagrees with me can can go fuck themselves. Teen Mom is an inherently political show, there is no way to discuss Teen Mom without discussing politics because this revolves around the idea that these women, these teenage girls aren't getting abortions and they're having sex and getting pregnant and having kids. That's politics, baby. But yeah, I'm just in a weird, I was like all gung-ho to record tonight, Wednesday. So tomorrow's Thursday, I can pack, see a friend, hang out, blah, blah, blah. Not have to record Thursday night because I'm flying out of town on uh, Friday and I'm not bringing my recording stuff because I, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I'm like the queen of flying economy class on American Airlines or flying Spirit and I refuse to pay to carry on a bag. So, <laughs> so I bring everything for a full like four days in a backpack because I'm like the queen like that and that means I can't re- bring my microphone home to record. So I'm so off topic. Anyway, I was like all gung-ho, I was going to record tonight, and then I was just crying watching the news, and now I'm like hyped back up because I'm talking about my favorite subject. Where are we? (laughs) Ugh, Liz, get back on track because nobody cares. Well, I mean, you guys care, but this this is not Pod Saves America, and I do understand that, and I do, you know, appreciate that you guys let me rant, but I also believe it or not, because I go on random rants about really random shit, I do, like, really try and rein it in because I hate when I'm listening to something and the host, who may be knowledgeable, but it's not what I'm tuned in for, goes on rants about it. Anyway, let's get into the episode. So speaking of, you know, Mackenzie Edwards, let's go to Macy. So it's the day before Halloween, and as any tired and true Teen Mom fan knows, Halloween is a big deal on on Mackenzie's segments. I'm already doing it, guys. Halloween is a big deal on Macy's segments because Ryan has never shown up on time for Halloween. They always want to go trick-or-treating together. It's always a goddamn mess. If you will remember the infamous year where he um, came back with his face painted as a full sugar skull, and he was so late and in his full makeup asked Bentley, why didn't you wait for me? <laughs> a truly iconic Team Momoji moment. So even though things are weird between everybody right now, they're still going to invite the Edwards to Halloween. And Macy sends a little text. Macy, Taylor, and Bentley are outside. Bentley's jumping on his in-ground, tramp- in-ground, champ- in-ground trampoline. It's a hard one for me. And Macy invites to Edwards and, you know, lets them know what's going on. And Jen says they're going to be there. And Taylor's like, well, things were a little less rocky last year. And Macy's like, they're not rocky. They're awkward. But it's like, they're rocky. Like, I didn't really understand what she meant by that. Because, like, yeah, things are rocky. Like, (laughs) Ryan and you are not speaking in any way, shape, or form. How is that not rocky? And Macy talks a little bit about how weird it is you know it's one thing the the reality is she's always just going to be a co-parent with uh ryan and mac and she doesn't have any you know beliefs that they're going to be like this happy foursome and they're going to go on double dates and everybody's going to love each other and things will be great and her and ryan have kind of always been like that so i think it's easy for her to accept that her and ryan just you know, aren't in a great place and never will be in a great place. 
However, she always felt like Jen and Larry were family to her and that their relationship was totally separate from the one she had with Ryan and that it was much deeper. And I think even though she's trying not to let it let on, I think she's really bummed about the place that she's in with them. So we get a scene of Mackenzie at the house and she's dressing up little huddles in his costume. He's going to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Can I just say how much I fucking love the nickname Huddles? It is so cute. I think I'm, if I ever get a dog, I'm going to name it Huddles. Like, it's just so fucking cute. Especially because he's such a cute little toddler. And later in the episode when Macy sees him, she's like, there's Huddles. Which means that's what Bentley calls him. Ugh, be still my heart. I just, I think Huddles is the cutest little nickname. And they'll call him Huddles until he's grown and he'll hate it and be embarrassed. But, ugh, it's just so cute. So, apparently, they're meeting Macy at 5. And then they have to leave by 6 o'clock to go meet Hudson's dad. Because they split all holidays. Which seems crazy to me. To split all holidays, it makes, I don't know. I am not a parent, obviously, but that seems really stressful on the kids and the parents. And that it would make a lot more sense if, you know, they did opposite years. It doesn't, I don't know. It just seems crazy that, like, they pull Hudson away at 6 o'clock and then go meet up with his dad. And then he has to do a whole second Halloween. Like, that's a lot for a three-year-old. I think that's how old Huddles is. He's three. And the producer is basically like, so how do you guys feel about that Macy is texting Jen and not Ryan? And Mackenzie's like, I just, I don't get it because, you know, Ryan is texting her and texting her and texting her and she's not answering. And like, I know he's texting her because I'm looking over his shoulder and I see he's not getting a response. Now, here's my, I don't know. I want both of their phones to be analyzed and they can tell us, like, what the truth is. But I did notice that that Macy, here's also my issue. I feel like Mackenzie needs to adopt a new name and her name should be Stephanie. She looks like a Stephanie, not in a negative way at all. I actually like the name Stephanie, but she looks like a Stephanie. Mac and Macy are too similar for me. The MAC is just too much. And I would, it's hard for typing my notes. It's hard for talking on the show. And I really feel like we should be calling the child bride as I used to call her Stephanie. Um, what if I just changed it for this podcast? Would you guys mind? <laughs> anyway, Stephanie, just kidding. But okay, so I've noticed in the last like two or three episodes. Macy has not been doing her Ryan's ignoring my texts uh, complaints because when Ryan's ignoring her texts, Ryan, we hear about it. And, you know, rightfully, it's okay. By the way, I'm about to, I think, get a little critical on Macy, but I just want to lay it out there that between Mackenzie and Macy, like, I'm 100% on Macy's side. But for me, it's not interesting to listen to a podcast or watch this TV show and have it just be like the shit on Mackenzie hour. Like the internet has been so unnecessarily cruel to Mackenzie. Like on Twitter, it's so bad. On Reddit, it's so bad. On Facebook, I'd imagine it's so bad. And it's boring to me. The reality is, is Mackenzie is not evil. People act like Mackenzie murdered their parents. Mackenzie is not an evil person. She's stupid. She's dumb. And she's somebody that thinks, she's a dumb person that thinks she's smart, which we all know, oh, not great. Here's my thing. I don't find it interesting to just be like, well, Mackenzie's a snake or snake Kenzie as the internet calls her, which is the stupidest and worst nickname. They also say she looks like a rat, which I don't even understand. I don't, I think she's cute. She doesn't look like a rat. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, I have no interest in, if I was listening to this podcast and, you know, I like to think what I would want to hear and I would have no interest in listening to this podcast if it was just me railing against Mackenzie this whole time. I do this with Janelle. I do this with, I don't know, Janelle is what comes, Amber. 
you know, with these hated characters that the internet so ferociously hates, why would I make a podcast where I just fucking repeat everything that's online already and repeat like that just hatefulness towards these characters? That to me is not interesting. That's not, I mean, this is an Emotionally Broken Psychos podcast. The whole reason that Malls created Emotionally Broken Psychos in the first place was so that she could like get into why these reality TV stars were acting the way that they do. And that's what I'm interested in with Mackenzie. I'm interested in her motivations. I'm interested in her upbringing. I'm, I wish you guys could see the hand motions I'm doing right now. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm interested in what's going on with her 21 year old brain that she is in this situation. That is the interesting part. So I'm also not interested in just sitting here and being like Macy's the best mom ever. Macy's perfect. Ryan and Mackenzie are the scum of the earth. And if Macy wasn't here, like Bentley would be doomed for all eternity, even though that's probably true. Because Macy has her faults too. Macy is stubborn as shit. Macy has never been a good communicator ever, especially with Ryan, but with any of her boyfriends that we see. She has the issues with Taylor. She had these issues with Kyle King. She's not a good communicator. And I just, I'm not going to sit here and not discuss these things. So if you don't want to hear any sort of defense whatsoever of Mackenzie, of Jen, of Larry, of Ryan, because you just hate them so much, then I'm sorry. I do know that on Ferris segments, I go way harder on her and it's unlikely for me to take up her side, but I'm also like a biased bitch and it's a little harder for me to do it. But I have kind of been Mackenzie in this situation, although thank God my heroin addict boyfriend didn't have a fucking child and a baby's mother in the complication of us. But I know how crazy it is to be in a relationship with a heroin addict and like get drawn into that world. So it's a little easier for me to like kind of understand Mackenzie's motivations in a way. I still, thank God, am nothing like Mackenzie. I mean, I am in some ways like Mackenzie, but majority am not like Mackenzie. But anyway, I don't even remember where I was. Thank God for notes, right? So Macy, I think what happened vis-a-vis the texting is that Macy for months was not getting an answer regarding him getting high, regarding his rehab, regarding his aftercare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Macy repeatedly asked for a drug test, lets him know that if he wants to see Bentley, he needs to do a drug test. It's just straight up about the drug test. And Ryan refuses to do the drug tests in the way that she's asking for them. And so she is not responding to him. Now, is that good? I don't know, but I can understand her point there because she has made it very clear that if he wants to see Bentley, these are the conditions that he must meet and he's not meeting them. So I believe Ryan and Mackenzie that Macy's not returning his texts. However, I think they're failing to acknowledge the fact that she's not she's not responding to his texts because until he gets drug tests, there's no reason for her to be texting him. She has nothing to say to him until he will get the drug tests. There's just, there's nothing to say. What is, what is there for her to talk to Ryan about if he is refusing to take the tests required to see his son? So at first he wasn't texting, then he gets out of treatment. He's finally texting her back. She lays out the rules for the drug tests. He disappears for a little bit. And then he starts with his text where it's like, I want to see my son. Why are you keeping my son for me? What are we doing for Halloween? And I bet he's sending text after text after text. I do believe Mackenzie there. But I am sure that Macy's ignoring them because the texts are not, I will go take the drug tests. Tell me what lab to go to. And I have a feeling if he sent her those, she would respond to the texts. But from where Macy's sitting, as we know, Macy's very much a no-nonsense, no-bullshit person, and she doesn't care to entertain Ryan's text messages. And if you notice, in a lot of her conversations she's been having in these past couple episodes, her friends are like, so have you heard from Ryan? He's like, she's like, well, he's not taking the drug tests. She's not saying, like, Ryan has not contacted me in six months, like she was saying in the beginning of this season which by the way this season has been on forever they're not filming the reunion for another like two or three weeks we've got like a month and a half left of teen mom og maybe more 
Oh my God, I didn't even talk about the fact that we're getting young and pregnant, which is 16 and pregnant essentially, but in team mom format. So they're going to follow five girls for a season as they're throughout their pregnancies giving birth. And I would imagine a little bit after their birth. Will I be covering it for this show? Unlikely. Unless I, it depends because we don't know when Teen Mom 2 is coming back. If they're doing Teen Mom 2 is going to like be on, like if they do Teen Mom OG, then Young and Pregnant and then Teen Mom 2, then yeah, I mean, I'll cover Young and Pregnant. Like it's my job. I hope it's good. But if it's Teen Mom 2 is on at the same time, like, I, I love you guys, but I can't dedicate, <laughs> I can't, I can't review two shows every week. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of emotional commitment just to do this one. <laughs> As I said, I was crying earlier and then, you know, got on the podcast. So, Young and Pregnant. Am I interested in Young and Pregnant? Um, I think so. I don't, it's hard for me to say because I loved the early seasons of Teen Mom before I was into the social media stuff. I still loved it. But now the reason that I watch this show is because of the social media following and because I'm like very connected to these girls that I've been watching for so long. And I love to watch their drama offline. So I just kind of watch a show to supplement the online drama. And I would imagine a lot of you are the same way. So, do I want to watch a whole season of Five New Moms? I don't know. I mean, I guess if it brings the drama, like, you know, your girl Liz Bentley will be watching it. However, I just, I'm just not sure if it will. And I think I said last week or the week before that I wanted 16 and Pregnant to come back. But that's different than what Young and Pregnant is because 16 and Pregnant, you know, it's like you get one episode per girl. You can dip in and out. You don't have to follow along on the internet. But, like, if I'm watching Young and Pregnant, like, I'm watching Young and Pregnant, I have to follow their internet stuff. I'm just, it's in the Teen Mom family, but I'm not sure if it'll be canon or not. Who decides if it's canon? Me. I decide. It's just the rules of the earth. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, I'm so off tangent. By the way, why would they can Teen Mom New Jersey and then give us Young and Pregnant? I don't understand. Why is Young and Pregnant different than Teen Mom New Jersey? What the fuck happened to Teen Mom New Jersey? I wanted to see Teen Mom New Jersey. This is not fair. I think Teen Mom New Jersey was the same format of Young and Pregnant where they followed them through like being pregnant, giving birth, and then being Teen Moms. What are we doing here? I mean... But, you know, in that trailer, God, I do love a cheerleader, a pregnant cheerleader. I love a pregnant cheerleader. Sugar and Spice is one of my all-time favorite fucking movies. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's very funny. But I love a pregnant cheerleader on a 16 and pregnant, and I think I'll love a pregnant cheerleader on young and pregnant. Anyway, I'm, I keep getting really off topic. So, yeah, I do think that Macy is ignoring Ryan's text, but I think Ryan is ignoring the one fucking thing that Macy asked for. So I think Ryan is definitely in the wrong here, but I don't think Mackenzie's lying. So Mackenzie tells the producer that she hopes Halloween can be a door opener for everybody to kind of like get back to where things were, which is nuts of Mackenzie. It's funny. I said I thought I was going to defend Mackenzie, but I guess I'm not today. Um, Maybe in a little bit I will. But Mackenzie, you're a nut job. Like, Ryan and Mackenzie are so frustrating because they want things to just be the way they were, which like, hashtag question mark. (laughs) Just kidding. You don't hashtag a question mark. But she wants things to be the way they were, but it's like, girlfriend like things are not just gonna go back to the way they were if you guys don't put in the work to make things the way they were things were the way they were because because they were there's you can't just go back in time and pretend like all of this shit never happened there is 
all of this drama and chaos that has happened in the last year that Ryan and Mackenzie are absolutely pretending did not happen. And as long as your husband is not taking the fucking drug test, there is no door opener. They want any way they can get in without taking the drug test. And it's just not going to happen because Macy's stubborn as shit and she's not going to give in. Anyway, so we see a cute little scene of Macy getting ready. She is dressed as Barbie and she calls Jen to make the plans. And we see Jen as the go-between, which I feel like they're kind of pretending is now happening because things are bad with Mackenzie and Ryan. But Jen has always been the go-between. The dynamics between Jen, Macy, and Ryan have never been healthy because Jen has always been Macy's co-parent. Always. She's been Macy's co-parent since Bentley was born. And they've always had this weird dynamic where everybody understands that Ryan is a piece of shit dad. He's not coming. So she's going to like tell Jen the plans. It's Jen's job. It's Jen's job to tell Ryan the plans. And if Ryan decides to come or not, he's coming or not. So, I do think it's a little funny that they're kind of, like, pretending, like, oh, they're going through Jen. She's going through Jen because she's mad at Ryan. That's so unfair. Like, probably every Halloween for Bentley's entire life, she's let Jen know the plans and not Ryan. (laughs) So, we get a little scene of Mackenzie, Ryan, and Hudson driving to the neighborhood. And they're like, we're going to be there on time. We're supposed to be there at five. And we're going to be on there on time. Which, like, as a punctual person, congrats on doing the bare fucking minimum. When people act like it's a fucking accomplishment to be on time, mm, drives me nuts. Drives me so nuts. So, they call Jen and Larry, and they find out Jen and Larry are almost there. We'll be there very shortly. But Macy's called and pushed it back to six. And Mac and Ryan are fucking pissed. And here's why Mackenzie is getting so much hate is that that girl cannot fake it on camera to save her damn life. She has no awareness, which is kind of crazy because this all came out. This was all filmed after the last reunion appeared on air after how awful she looked last season after she started getting extreme hate on the internet you would think that she'd be, like, really trying to, like, zip her lips and, like, not be Macy's enemy because the reality is it's, like, and I think Jen knows this, and I'm going to talk about this in a second. I do think Jen knows this. You are never going to win in an MTV and an MTV edit versus Macy Bookout McKee. McKinney. Her last name is not McKee. It's McKinney. You are never going to win and an edit versus her. Because Macy has been Team Amoji's star since it aired. Macy has always been the OG fan favorite. She's just getting more likable as the seasons go on. She's growing. She has a nice husband we all love. She has kids we all love. And Ryan looks worse every season. And I really think Mackenzie, in her little heart, in her little brain, thinks that we're all going to see the truth. We're going to see the truth, but we're never going to see the truth, honey, because you're the antagonist. I don't understand how a lot of these rant incoming. I don't understand how a lot of these reality TV stars, but specifically teen mom stars, have such little self-awareness and awareness of the outside world that they do not understand they are the antagonists of the series And they will never be edited to look good because it does not fit in MTV's story. The story editors, you know, that are credited at the end of every episode are never going to edit a scene to make Mackenzie look like the hero and Macy look like the villain. Honey girl, that's never happening. You're on Macy's show. She's the protagonist. You're never going to look good. So for you to sit there and roll your eyes and pout and call bullshit and talk about how awful Macy is, is just fucking shoveling deeper and deeper so you can get into your grave and be buried in it. It's so stupid. And you know, at first I like kind of defended Mackenzie and I will defend her early, early season, not early seasons, but her early appearances 
such as when she went to that lunch with Macy and Macy kind of like forced her to talk shit on the Edwards and then she reported back to the Edwards. I will take Mackenzie's side on that because I think she didn't understand what she was being set up for by Macy, who has been on reality TV for a long time, and the re- and she was marrying into the Edwards family. So, of course, she wanted to, to tell the Edwards what they said. However, that was like three seasons ago at this point. Get it together, Mac. Like, you have to get it together, girlfriend. You, you are the villain. Another person who's awful about this is Janelle. Janelle does not understand that she's always going to be edited to look bad. If not worse than she is, as bad as she is. I don't know. Is Janelle being edited to look worse than she is? Probably not. I highly doubt that's the case. But you are never going to get a good edit because a Janelle being good edit does not fit into the storyline. Same as Mackenzie. We're not going to see this Halloween, like, thing as Macy being late and forcing you to miss out on time with Bentley. That's never going to be the perspective of the viewer. We're never going to see that timeline as the viewer. We're going to see you looking like a bitch when you're rolling your eyes and you're huffing and puffing and saying, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This isn't fair. That just makes you look bad. Sorry, sweetie. I feel like some of these people need to call me up so I can explain to them the way that this show is edited. <laughs> it's very simple and it's very clear. Farah will never be edited to look good. Now, she doesn't necessarily have any protagonists in her scenes because really, let's be honest, they even edit Sophia as a villain. But it's just, you know, Amber's not getting, probably not going to get a good edit. Gary and Christina are always going to be the protagonists in her story. It's just so clear to me, and I don't understand why these girls can watch this show and not understand that. So, Mac and Ryan are fucking pissed, and they're like, all right, well, we're just going to take Hudson to retreating, and when they get here, they get here, but we have to leave at six. Also, I'm a little confused if they had to leave at 6 or if they had to meet the dad at 6 because apparently the town they had to meet uh, Huddle's dad in is like 20 minutes away. But I was under the impression that they had to leave at 6 and not be there at 6. So Ryan is like, well, this is bullshit and kind of yells at Jen. And she's like, you have to see Bentley. He's like, don't give me that fucking bullshit that I have to see Bentley. This is bullshit by Macy. Okay. I will say... If your plan is to meet at five, you should be there at five. Especially if you know that Mac and Ryan have to leave at six. Now, did Macy know that? I don't know. Because she's going through Jen and this is the problem. This is the miscommunication. But according to Mac and Ryan, Jen knew they had to leave at six. And I don't see Jen not telling them, like, Mac and Ryan have to leave at six. It seems like Jen would keep everybody abreast of the situation. So, you know, Ryan's going off at Jen and he's like, my ride has to leave at six. And I'm like, your ride? What? What are they? First of all, did Ryan get a DUI? Why is he not driving in any way, shape or form this season? Second of all, like, I understand that Huddles is his stepson and it's I would like to see Ryan as an involved father. But I don't understand why even if Bentley was to get there at five o'clock, why that Mackenzie couldn't just go with Huddles to his dad's house and then Ryan's parents drive him home, production drives him home, Uber drives him home, Lyft drives him home, a fucking regular-ass taxi drives him home. Like, what is Ryan talking about with his ride? That's another thing that makes him look bad. Like, why did Ryan and Mackenzie have to leave together? Why couldn't Ryan just stay and hang out with his son? It didn't make any sense. So uh, Ryan McKenzie and Huddles are trick-or-treating and Jen and Larry are walking behind them. And Jen is basically crying. She's like, he's being so rude to me. And she even says, I'm pissed about both of them. Here's my thing. I think I can argue that she's talking about Macy or Mackenzie in this situation. Now, I think it's pretty clear why she would be pissed at Mackenzie because Mackenzie is running her mouth, unable to not show emotion on her face, rolling her eyes, calling it bullshit. You know, 
I think I'd be pretty fucking annoyed at Mackenzie too. However, I do think it's possible she was mad at Macy. Because if you're Jen, think. You're Jen. Jen is aware of the cameras. This is not Jen's first season on this show. Jen has been on this show since 16 and pregnant, just like Macy has. Jen is not stupid. You know, for all of Jen's faults, and this is a situation of her own making that I'm about to explain, but Jen, I think, personally, very much is hyper aware of the cameras and understands them and has only gotten more so as years have gone on, which is why we don't see her talking shit on Mackenzie, which I'm sure she does. I think she could have been pissed at Macy because if you're Jen, you're sitting there and your piece of shit son who has looked like a piece of shit father for the nine years that America has been watching them on their TVs, as well as Australia and Europe. If you're Jen and you're like, he's finally on time and Macy shows up an hour late and I know he's going to look bad because now he has to go leave to take Mackenzie and Huddles to Huddles dad's house. Like, if I was Jen, I'd be pissed at Macy, too. Not only, one, are Jen and Larry there on time at 5 o'clock, and there's something more infuriating to me than me basically pulling up somewhere and then hearing, like, oh, actually, I have to push back an hour. It's like, I'm here. You need to be here. I understand Mac or Macy has three small kids. Well, two small kids and a, a regular-sized kid. But that could still be very frustrating, especially... Because would any of us be surprised if they were just, like, at her mom's house pre-gaming and taking extra time? No, I don't think any of us would be surprised. But, you know, I can really... I wouldn't be surprised if Jen was pissed that Macy kind of pulled a fast one on them, even if not intentional. Because I don't think Macy was trying to make them look bad. I have no idea if Macy knew that they had to leave at six. She seemed a little surprised by it. But not for nothing, there's no reason Ryan couldn't have texted her, even if she's ignoring his texts and let her, them know her plans and his plans in advance. If he's texting as frequently as Mackenzie says he is. <laughs> but I just, I, if I was Jen, I feel like I'd be pissed that it's like your son for once on a Halloween episode, which she knows there's going to be a damn Halloween episode because there's one every year, would be pissed that like, you know, you didn't show up on time. By the way, the Halloween episode last year was so... It's so sad if you think about the Halloween episode last year when Mac was still, like, in everybody's good graces and she got Ryan there almost on time and Ryan was being, like, his on his best behavior, being cute with baby Jade, and then this year, it's just a shit show. Anyway, finally, the whole fam gets there on the golf cart and... um. It's cute. Like, they pull up and Macy's like, oh, Huddles is there to Bentley. And Bentley's really happy. And, you know, Macy's, like, obviously putting in an effort. She asks Bentley what Ninja Turtle Hudson is wearing. And then uh, Ryan does a classic, like, hey, bud, to Bentley. And basically gives him a hug and leaves. And it seems that nobody had any clue that they had to leave at 6, except... Macy seems totally like, what? By it. Which, you know, it's sad for Bentley. It is sad for Bentley. But at the same time, like, I just don't know how much Bentley cares about Ryan. I mean, obviously, like, it's his father. But if Jen and Larry are there, Taylor and Macy there, and his little siblings are there, like, I feel like he's probably fine. I bet he's the saddest that Hudson wasn't there. And of course, of course, Ryan and Mackenzie think she did it totally on purpose. I mean, total assholes. And they were like, you know, Hudson was so excited that he was going to get to spend time with Ryan or with Bentley and he didn't get to. And it's like, don't use your three-year-old, like, to make us feel bad about you guys needing to ditch out early. Like, that's not fair. It's not fair. Um, We also got a little scene of Taylor and... Macy kind of recapping it and Taylor's like okay so why do you reach out to Jen instead of Ryan and Macy's like well I just don't want to argue and that was that this week I ranted for a long time about them but as I said before they're the most interesting segment now and I think I'm going to move on to Kate and Tyler after a five second break
So, this was a dark episode for Caitlin and Tyler. Uh, a real revelation about their sister there. Uh, I guess it is there. A real revelation about Amber, Tyler's sister. But the episode starts telling April she's preg- that Kate's pregnant. April is crying. And did you guys notice that April is wearing what the Emotionally Broken Psychos have dubbed a Bubba dress? From Vanderpump Rules, Tom Schwartz wears one. Basically, our whole Facebook group got one last year. We all love a Bubba dress. And April was wearing a feather version of it. But I was thrilled to see it. Just thrilled. Um, I'm wondering if what's going on with Kate's pregnancy. I know I said she miscarried. That's what the Ashley said. That's what I think happened. But it's kind of weird that... Tyler hasn't commented at all on it on social media. I'm wondering, like, what if she really didn't actually miscarry and she's still pregnant in treatment? I mean, I don't think that's the case, but it'd be kind of crazy, right? So everybody's happy and thrilled. Nick's happy. Caitlin's little brother. April's happy. And Tyler is going to see Butch, but he's not going to tell Caitlin that, or excuse me, he's not going to tell Butch that they're pregnant until they're all together. So Butch and Tyler are like out in a field at the new house and basically talking about the treatment center. And Tyler's like, well, I gave you the number. I gave you the website. Like, it looks nice, right? Like, you need to call the guy. And Butch is seeming more hesitant than he seemed in the past. He, you know, Tyler, okay. I think Tyler is very focused and obsessed with this idea of Butch not being on parole or probation, like, in the system for the first time in his life, and that if he goes to rehab, like, he's actually choosing to go to rehab, he's going to go to a nice place, and he'll be able to get better, like, on his own and not being forced to by the court system. However, I'm just not sure if Butch sees his own life this way. I, I I don't know. Tyler's just so focused on it, and he's like, it's your first time off the system. You're going to help it on your own. You're getting help on your own. You're getting help on your own. And Butch is like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, don't you want to go somewhere like on your own? And Butch is like, yeah. But I think that's something that like Tyler hyper focuses on that is not something that affects Butch nearly as much as Tyler thinks it does. Um, I think that maybe Ty- Butch has talked to Tyler a lot about how much he'd been in the system and how he was never not in the system, so Tyler thinks it's a lot more important than it actually is. And Butch says that he's not even really thinking about rehab because he's so worried about Amber. Amber and her kids are apparently living with Butch. They all live at the cute little house that Tyler and Caitlin used to live in, which I was surprised to see they weren't running out to make money on, but I think they bought that house for like $70,000. Or something super, super cheap. So they're probably not that stressed about making money on it. Um, I didn't realize... I don't think we knew that Amber had been living there. I don't think any of us have realized that. It seems on brand for Caitlin and Tyler that they're letting their family live in the house. Presumably rent-free. Wouldn't be surprised. And Tyler kind of gives Butch like, well, you know... There's only so much you can do for Amber. Amber has to help herself. We can't help Amber if she doesn't want to help. And I think everybody in the audience's ears kind of perked up and were like, is Amber a drug addict? You know, did did we did we know this? Did we know that Amber was a drug addict? That was very much drug addict talk. Very much drug addict talk. Um, not like how you talk about drug addicts, I sh- guess I should say. And... I don't, I was like kind of surprised when he said that. I know Amber is a stripper at one point, um, but we've really, we don't really know a lot about Amber. I know Amber was a teen mom. She had considered giving up her oldest child for adoption, I believe, which is how Caitlin and Tyler knew about Bethany Christian Services in the first place because that was the adoption agency that Amber was going to use. But, and apparently Tyler bought Amber boobs at one point. He paid for a boob job for her. But that's really all we know about Amber. She was in a couple episodes this season, but she's not someone that's been heavily featured on the show at all. You know, we'll get a glimpse of her here and there. We'll see Tyler's nephew and niece here and there. 
but Amber is definitely not a mainstay like someone, someone like even Nick, Kate's little brother, is. So Butch comes over to Kate and Tyler's house and they tell her, they tell him that she's pregnant. She says she's due in July or August. And they're talking to Butch about rehab again. And we find out, like, it's a pretty nice treatment place. They have acupuncture. They have massages. It's comfortable. But, okay, I want to touch on, I think people are getting an idea that this is a spa-like environment. So, let me do this whole spiel. So, we find out that it's a 90-day inpatient program and the 90 days of sober living. Although, I would imagine it's 90 days of IOP and you can continue sober living for longer than 90 days. Because a lot of people say in sober living longer than 90 days. At least in Florida. It might be different other places. But, in, I mean, I lived in sober living for over a year. I think I had 15 months sober when I moved out. But I was managing the place. So, it was a little different. But a lot of people stayed in sober living a year in South Florida when I was getting sober. That was a while ago, so I don't know if things have changed. But, okay. This, basically Tyler calls the treatment center and he gets a breakdown of the price, which is $48,000 for 90 days. One, I'm not so sure Kate and Tyler are paying for that themselves. They could be getting a discount because the name of the place is going to be on MTV. They could be getting a discount from... The treatment center they could be getting mtv could be paying a significant portion of it anyway i think people are really focusing on this price of this place and are really really focusing on how like luxurious it is so i want to touch on two of these things i've i've kind of gone into detail about how expensive treatment is in the past you know the average price of treatment is about $1,500 a day. So if this place is 48k cash for fit for 90 days, they're actually getting a pretty steep cash discount. A lot of places will give you, you know, like 600 to $800 a day if you're paying cash. They don't have to go through the insurance company. And that's probably how much they end up getting from the insurance company anyway, in the end. But $48,000 for 90 days, as I said, is not it is a significant amount of money. Do not get me wrong. Significant amount of money. I, I can't. I can't even dream about having forty-eight thousand dollars to drop on anything, let alone rehab. I think people are expecting this to be passages at Malibu. <laughs> it's not going to be. The place you're like you hear you're like oh my god they get massages and acupuncture like this must be like a spa like this place is going to be so luxe it's going to have so many amenities and the real reality is it's not those places that are like spa rehabs like in malibu there are some places in arizona like that there are definitely a few places like that in florida cost forty eight thousand dollars a month not for 90 days they don't even take private insurance you have to pay cash up front those places, that's Lux. This, where Butch is saying, is probably what you would imagine a treatment, like a decent treatment center to look like inside of your head. I'm sure he has a roommate. I'm like, but they probably have either townhouse or like house style living, and it's not so much like hospital style living. They probably have nice real mattresses instead of like hospital uh, plastic beds. Oh, the first rehab I went to had plastic hospital beds and it was the fucking worst it was so awful and we couldn't bring in our own sheets blankets or pillows because of bed bug concerns Ugh, it was miserable sleeping like I when I was thinking about going to rehab in Florida I like made my counselor promise me that the place that I would go right to in Florida would have real beds basically I think the place Butch is going to in Florida is a lot like the place that I went to so you hear massages and acupuncture and you're like, uh, what the fuck? Is that a spa? No. Can I, let me explain to you what the massages and acupuncture were like when I went to treatment. Don't get me wrong. They would, they were great. I wish I had access to this, but every Tuesday and Thursday, this like little company would come in and in one of like the group session rooms, they would set up like four beds, four massage tables on one side, hang up a sheet and then four massage tables on the other side. The guys would go, on one side and the girls would go on the other side and what would happen is we get like stretched out and then you would get like a 15 minute massage 
probably 10, 10 to 15 minute massage. And then you had your choice of acupuncture or hot stone for another like 10 to 15 minutes. And the hot stone, they like kept in a crock pot. It was like, I've had like a real hot stone massage and it wasn't like that. The, I mean, the massage, because you're in a room with a bunch of other people, like you took off your top, but like you kept your bra on. It wasn't like, I've had like real, like luxurious massages that are very expensive that you're in for an hour and a half and you're completely naked and you get like every part of your body done and it's amazing. That's not what massages in rehab are like. As I said, it's great. Getting massage is great. I wish twice a week I could get a 15-minute massage. But they're not, it's not like a spa-like environment. Like, you literally get it in, like, a group therapy room <laughs> with, like, four other people lying around you at the same exact time that you're getting yours. It's just not what we think. When you hear them say, like, well, you get spa or massages and acupuncture, I understand people are thinking, like, in their head, and it's just not like that. And I think I've also seen and heard a lot of people say, like, well, why doesn't he go somewhere cheaper? Because somewhere cheaper doesn't exist. The place that I went to in Pennsylvania that was, like, hospital-like setting, um, it was, it was, like, not nice on the inside. It was, like, kind of falling apart a little bit. We had gross food. Oh, the food was not good. Um, the beds, as I said, were plastic hospital beds. Some people were three to a room with, like, a tiny bathroom. That place cost the same as the place that I went to in Florida, um, where we lived in townhomes. They had bought out this little, like, townhome complex that had eight townhomes, like, four on one side, four on the other, with a tiny little courtyard in between. And then we would, the, like, center where we had therapy and stuff was, like, four houses down from that. It was all in the same block. Um, the it, like, I had a jacuzzi tub in there because it was, like, a townhome. that had, It was a nice townhome. They had, like, a nice master bathroom. Um, we had, cou- like, couches, a big screen TV. Like, it was it was really nice. It was living in a townhome that's honestly, like, nicer than my apartment is. <laughs> um, but it costs about the same. It's just depending on where you go, what type of, like, what state you go in what type of facility you go to it's not and also like it is very hard to get into a state hospital does butch probably have medicare yeah i'm sure he probably does but in michigan a state that's trapped for cash i doubt there's like a ton of beds that are available that butch can just go to i think people are like well why doesn't he go to a state place it's like because he probably cannot get even get a bed in a safe place people wait months for a bed these days i mean we're in an opiate crisis guys like there aren't an influx of beds available for people in state-run facilities i've tried to get my friends into state-run facilities it's a fucking mess it's so hard um i just i think people are being very dramatic about them paying forty-eight thousand for this rehab because that's how much rehab costs And I also am not a believer. People are like, well, he's going to be too comfortable. It's going to be too nice. So people should suffer because they're addicts. I just don't believe that you have to, like, go to a place and be, like, broken down so that you can get better. I don't believe in that. Like, let people, like, recover in dignity. I can tell you when I was, like, really upset in rehab, it was a lot better when I could go, like, to a comfortable bed and, like, cry after being like, having very traumatic therapy sessions, like, that was a lot more comfortable than having to go cry in, like, my fucking hospital-style plastic bed. Um, at least for me it was. I just, I think people feel like you should be punished. And is it a waste of money to send butch to treatment in general? Maybe. I mean, maybe. Like, the chances of butch getting better are not great. If we're being honest, they're just not great. But I understand why they want to try, and it's their money to spend. So, basically, and we also find out that the treatment center is geared towards men who have been to treatment before and who are chronic relapsers, and that's wonderful. And Kate is all for helping Butch. She's like, well, that's how much it costs. Like, we're going to spend any money to get help for our family, and it's just money. We can't, we can't take it with us when we die. 
which like mm, is like not the best attitude to have when you're 25 I think <laughs> it's like one thing to say that when you're 75 and like showering your grandkids with stuff but they do have to think about their children's financial future but I'm not sure Kate and Tyler have that ability but I don't know. I think people are also saying like, oh, well, Butcher's trying not to go. He's giving excuses. That means he doesn't want to get better. He's only going to get better if he wants to get better, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is like they just needed to get him to treatment because if he doesn't get to treatment, like then he's not going to get better. A lot of people don't go to treatment for themselves, but can decide after five days, 10 days, 20 days, 30 days that they do actually want to be there and that they do want to get better. I also skipped over the fact that Butch, Caitlin, and Tyler have a little fight about Amber where Butch is like, if I don't go to, oh no, I didn't skip over it. Okay, hold on one second. So it's the night before Butch is supposed to go to treatment and Tyler goes over to the house to find out, like to get Butch basically and bring him back to the house. He's going to take Butch to treatment with him. Like he's going to take Butch to treatment. I think it's in Texas. And they get to the house and apparently the Kate or the power was in Butch's name and it's getting switched to Amber's name and because of that the power got shut off and you know it's like October in Michigan it's cold it's Butch is literally walking around with a candelabra like for light I guess they don't have flashlights Amber looks not great she's gaunt she's pale um the kids look messy the house is a fucking mess if you guys didn't notice, there's a ginormous hole in the ceiling of the kitchen. Um, it it looks like a crack house. Tyler is, like, visibly stressed. He's like, I just want to get out of here. I fucking hate being in this house. The chaos. I find it hard to believe Amber's not a drug addict. She's living with an active addict. Their house is a fucking mess. There's some weird explanation for why the power shut off. It just... It was not right. It was a really dark scene. I feel like even if Butch is, like, an addict and and Amber's not, like, she would have her house clean. I don't know. It The countertops were just, like, covered in stuff. And not in just, like, it looked like there was, like, some mail. It was, like, because my countertop has, like, mail in it right now in my purse and just, like, a lot of stuff. But it it's just, like, clutter. They're, it looked messy. Butch is, like... So not ready to go. Tyler finally gets them. Amber says that she's going to go to Kit. Amber and the kids are going to go to the go to Kim's house, their mom. So I'm not worried that like they were being left alone in the dark overnight. But Tyler seemed like really disconnected from Amber. Like he had no desire to hear anything from Amber about any like. And when he said that he hated being in this fucking house with all the chaos, like that can't just be about Butch. There's no way because. If it was just Butch using, why would their entire house be... Well, eh, they're, using, they're living with a drug addict, but I don't know. I To me, it seemed very obvious that Amber was using, and Tyler took a lot of shit online for that this week. People basically being like, well, why did you just leave the kids there? Like, you just left the kids, like, to live without electricity? Why are you going to go spend money on your dad for rehab? But I think... The reality is, is that he didn't leave the kids there. They were going to Kim's house, but he also didn't deny that she was an addict. He basically just said, like, no, I didn't abandon the kids. So they finally get Butch to Tyler and Kate's house, and they kind of have this, like, big argument, and Butch starts, not a big argument, but, like, Butch is trying to manipulate his way out of going to rehab. And he starts crying, and he's like, the kids are my responsibility. They don't eat a lot of times. Like, if I don't buy them food, and Kate's like, Kate and Tyler are both like, well, those are Amber's kids. They're not your kids. Like, why are you worrying about that? Like, she needs to deal with them. And they don't seem phased at all that Amber isn't feeding her kids and that the kids go without food. And Kate's like, well, yeah, of course. Like, if the kids don't have food, like, you're going to buy them food. And I'm like, what? Now, I wonder if they just don't, they know he's bullshitting because he's trying to get out of going to treatment or if this is just like such a regular thing that they know Amber is not taking care of her kids. I don't know. I really don't know. But they're like, you know, that's not your job. It's Amber's job. She needs to take care of her own kids. They don't seem to have a lot of sympathy for Amber there. It was weird. It was just weird. I, I don't know. Like, 
I I think it was just weird because we did not know that this was a situation that we had no idea that Amber wasn't taking care of her kids. I mean, there was probably some inkling of it. If you remember, we saw Butch uh, saw off her son's cast because their mom wouldn't take him to the doctor. But I thought that was kind of like a joke, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I'm really, I'm hoping we're getting a lot more of Amber. I would like to see more of Amber. Did you guys think she was a drug addict? I think most people did. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.